0: You are listening to Maven Realty Presents, the Charleston Real Estate Investors Podcast. I'm Troy Gandy, the broker in charge of Maven Realty, and with me, as always, is Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. That's me. This is a bi-monthly podcast dedicated to all things real estate and real estate investing in the Charleston area. Our brokerage is devoted to helping our clients buy or sell residential, commercial, and investment real estate in the low country. If you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can find us online at mavenrealtysc.com, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show. All right, thanks for tuning in to episode number 12 of Maven Realty uh, presents the Charleston Real Estate Investors podcast. Um, today's going to be kind of a casual one. It's just Dan and I are going to talk about some burrs, Um Dan has two burrs going on at the moment. I've got one I might burr. I'm still trying to figure out the numbers on it, Um, and I've kind of done a couple by accident in the past. They weren't really intentional, but they worked out well. Um, But Dan's doing two right now, so we're just going to talk about the numbers on those. Um, Burring's really, really popular right now, and um, and I think it's uh, good for people to kind of understand the intricacies of it, some of the the actual numbers um, rather than just what they're seeing you know, it's, it's more than an acronym. There's a little bit more involved, especially on the construction side. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to start out with some featured listings real quick. Dan's got um, a bunch of stuff, so you want to go through what you got?
1: Yeah, we have, uh, right now we have a few, a couple properties in Ladson, one in Somerville. The one in Somerville is on English. It's a three-bed, one-bath, renovated home. Uh, 164 799 is the asking price. There's a couple in Latson, One's at uh, Elderwood, and the other one's on Margaret. The one on Elderwood is a four two, and that's $179.99. And the one on Margaret's a uh, 3 dollars one and a half, one sixty nine nine. And they're all renovated, beautifully done. You know, new floors, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. These are nice backyards, um, something for people to go see. Um, I also have. Well, Troy and I have a commercial mm-hmm. property. It could be you can kind of go a couple different ways. That's the uniqueness of the property. It's uh, 105 Broughton and Monk's Corner, and it's set up right now because of where it's located. It would be a really good commercial offices. where you could put four separate offices in there, each having their own bathroom and um, uh, can receptionist area. There right. we go, uh, and and. Th- pretty good value add opportunity to make a little money up there, especially if you're looking to have an office up there and then rent out the other one.
0: Yeah. It's a good price. And yeah. Monk's Corner is exploding right now. So um, the downtown still not seeing a ton of growth, but the amount of new construction going on out there is pretty crazy. And the industry obviously is just blowing up because of all those. So um, if anyone's looking for something commercial to hold like that, I think they'd see some upside on it too in the future.
1: Yep. And then uh, there's some land downtown that it's, should be hitting the market sometime in the new year, um, but the land is pretty close to MUSC and it comes with plans, permits, ready to build. It's first first level would be parking. Second level would be commercial space, about 15 to 1700 square feet. Third level's residential. Um, and like I said, that would be ready to build for anybody who's looking to kind of buy something and build quickly downtown. Yeah, that's and awesome. Troy, has a couple?
0: Yeah, I got a couple. Um, I've got one, uh, project I just bought last week. It's in Hanahan on Yemen's Hall. It's a little two one, um, and that's the one I might burr. Um, I know I can burr it and hold it. It wouldn't cash flow like crazy. It would do pretty well. It probably do like three or four hundred bucks. So I might just hold it. Um, but it would do really well as an Airbnb so I might also just do it that way but either way I I bought it we can go through the numbers on that one later but um I have room in it to refinance and get pretty much all my cash out when the work's done that roof's actually going on today so I gotta go up there and pay them for materials nice. when we're done with this um and then I have my West Ashley house that um is a whole tail. that one's still on the market um I had somebody yesterday call. I think they're really interested, but they're trying to figure out financing. And that one could be a pretty good house hack for somebody because what I've got it listed for right now, there's about 80000 in equity in it um, upside once that's renovated. So I think you could put like 30000 in it and you probably have about a $50,000 spread in it. So I'm shocked it hadn't sold yet. Um, and then I just listed one of my rentals um, way up Dorchester Road close to Somerville in the park at River's Edge. Um, not a phenomenal um, investment, really, um, but it's in a gated neighborhood with a pool and it's under 200, Mm -hmm. cute little house. um, It's a really cool neighborhood and the HOA is only like $57 for a a gate with a security and a pool. Um, And then I was just looking too, Russ has a couple things um, we should probably mention too because they're pretty interesting. One of them's on Attaway and it's it's residential, it's a 2-1 and it's cool, it's got like a loft space upstairs but it's zoned general commercial. So um, that's one of Ashley's properties. Um, I've considered it for an office for us. I was thinking yeah, in. but I, I just don't know if I want to spend quite that much. I'd rather get something that needs equity forced into yeah. it. And this one's pretty much already renovated. Um, but it's a great location. It's on the corner of Remount and Attaway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part of Charleston Farms has already improved a lot, and it will keep getting better. Mm-hmm. And then he has another one of hers listed on Blackwell, and I think it's still available. It's a two one as well, but it's um, one hundred and forty. So it would just be a good property for somebody who wants to live um, you know, below their means. And that's a turnkey, because it's already rehabbed. it's yeah, so. completely rehabbed. And Ashley's actually doing <clears throat> a lot of these corporate rentals over there. So that one could possibly be a really good corporate model property or a uh, corporate rental. They uh, do really well when they're two beds, because it gives somebody like a bedroom and kind of like an office or something like that. So the two seem to do better than the three beds. Um, and I'm sure we've got some other stuff, too. Other agents have listed. I just don't have them in front of me. Um, And we've also got a market update. Dan has uh, done his homework again so he's gonna tell us what's going on.
1: Yeah it's uh, kind of funny this this month was a very unique month whereas November 2019 mirrored November 2018 in a couple different ways. Your your median sale price was 267,000 last year and this year. That's crazy. Your median average days on market 30 days Hmm. same as last year so it's kind of funny just how it's very similar from last year. Uh, there are 109 more homes sold this year from last year uh, in total throughout all three counties. And new listings is approximately 640 more new listings this year than last year. So the market's yeah. still moving. Yeah. Um, it's just <clears throat> funny that November just happened to be a very similar month. And I don't know about you, Troy, but I've just seen, especially as soon as Thanksgiving hit, and I know everybody says this, but these homes, they're getting views, but just... Yeah. I, I just feel
0: like the buyers out there, there's not as many ready to pull the trigger just yet. They're almost waiting for yeah. the new year. Yeah, definitely. It's been a lot slower. I'm still getting a lot of showings on my stuff. But yeah, again, it's just like, I think people, I always tell my clients if they can control it to look in the winter, and the fall. Because you have more time and you can be a little bit more aggressive with your offer. So I think there's plenty of other people, obviously, that know that. And I think they're just taking their time.
1: Mm-hmm. But I have noticed it's just been that little bit of slow this time. And like we said, I mean, it's the holidays too. You get a lot of people, they don't want to necessarily buy, have to worry about inspections and appraisals when they're trying to do all their, their shopping for the holidays and yeah. you know, have family coming to town and maybe they're traveling. So those those are factors. And I'm sure come January 1, things will pick up pretty quickly again. Um, and the housing markets, Marcus, I mean, if, if anybody's reading, it's still going to be a... a short supply of we still have a what they call a crisis there's mm-hmm. just not enough homes in the we've talked about this before and that lower that lower bracket that we'll say yeah. 250 and below but mm-hmm. really I, i'd say in Charleston area, it's more like the 200
0: 225 and below yeah it's those hundred thousand dollar homes that i just told one of my clients that last night she was saying you know what do you think about the market like has it reached the peak and i was like oh maybe with things 300 and up mm-hmm. then it's, it's probably been that way for a couple of years i mean we're seeing the prices have stagnated from last year to this year 267 has been the median sale price but in that like 250 and below range that stuff's still moving because mm-hmm. there's neighborhoods like Wayland, Charleston farms where there's still a lot of upside yep and that's why burrs are working in particular in neighborhoods like that you, you know those houses in Wayland, when I started doing all this stuff were like 30 forty thousand dollars and now they're selling renovated for 150. You yeah, can't I sold one from, in there, 155 for a bed, two bath. Yeah, I, I, I sold yeah. one in there for like 152 a few months yeah. ago. So, um, a lot, there's still a lot of neighborhoods like that that are now experiencing growth because the prices have outpaced what most, especially young people, are willing to pay. So, mm-hmm. a lot of these cheaper neighborhoods are turning around because people are buying in there. And
1: I mean, I, there's another stat I was looking at uh, the other day that a lot of people from the West Coast are moving down to the slash southeast. Which you know may not necessarily be Charleston specifically that a, a, a large amount of them too, but they're in this area, yeah. and they're coming down here because you get you still have the weather, you just have more affordability. I mm-hmm. mean, up in California or, or that part of the West Coast, I mean, you, you wouldn't. I mean, some of the birds we're going to talk about later, you're not buying anything no. anywhere near that price range. Not at
0: all. Uh, I get a lot of calls from people, especially young people that are military. Um, or in engineering and they're getting moved around a lot for engineering jobs and they want a burr or they want a house hack and they're like yeah I should be I'm being placed there for work in you know next year or whatever so I know there's a lot of people that there there's just like no way there's no possible way that they could buy and um, you know rent out or invest in anything out there mm-hmm. it's just so ridiculously expensive so and I think the cap rates a lot of the time are like 3% in some of those things which is almost it's just not worth doing yeah it's yeah. not worth the rest no of it's just a savings account that definitely. shifts at all yeah not, you just lost all your equity. Yeah. again it's not even worth doing so well we're going to move over into burring um i think dan's going to be doing the majority of the talking this time because he's got two currently going on in there, but they're both they're kind of different they're similar in, in a lot of ways but they're very different too so this is going to be cool i don't really know anything about these properties too so i'll be interested to hear this um so dan do you want to explain burring real quick yeah, the whole process, I mean, you could, how many R's
1: are in there, but it gets confused. It's 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 basically a buy, re, a renovate, rehab, however you wanna call it. Um, you rent, you refinance it, and you redo it. And it's a good strategy for those who are trying to build up, as me and my business partner, are, we're trying to build up our rental portfolio with as minimal cash out of pocket as possible. Now, you either have to have some sort of loan product, I'll go into kind of like how we have a line of credit, that we were able to buy these homes, fix them up um, with a little bit of our cash as well, and then refinance them. But there are a lot of requirements um, that are needed, but it's, it's like I mentioned, if you're looking to try to build up quickly and get, you know, start to add units, uh, it, it's a good, it's a good method. Um, depending on what you want to do, I, I, again, those are value add properties. you got the rehab portion of that, which everybody in theory, a lot of people want to do, but there's a lot that goes into it that we'll talk about today, like the headaches. Where sometimes the turnkey is better, mm-hmm. and then you just need a little bit more cash when you're doing turnkeys, because yeah. um, you're not to cash out refi right away.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's, you know, I'm about to the point where I'd prefer the turnkey properties, <laughs> just because I'm I'm real busy. So chasing around contractors is super difficult. Like I said, I got to go pay some guys for roofing materials today, like after this, and um, you know the, chase just chasing things around, making sure lock boxes are where they need to be, picking up materials, all that kind of stuff. It just gets Um, difficult and there's just so many things that you you don't know are gonna pop up and surprise you you know those construction contingencies are pretty serious Um, so you've got two right that you're doing this with right now Mm -hmm. do you want to pick one of the two off and just explain the whole deal i'll start with the easy one okay yeah because we have kind of
1: an easy one and a difficult one and by the difficult one it just has a lot more moving parts to it not only on the buy side, but on the uh, rehab side. So the easier one was, and, and we weren't really looking, we bought the more difficult one first, mm-hmm. which is in Wayland. And then about a week after we closed on that one, I saw another deal hit, it was like, I think it was Facebook Marketplace, so maybe it was an email to me, whatever it was. And I reached out to the, the person who was wholesaling it. I was the first one to go see it, which was nice, and I just made an offer that day because she was having a bunch of showings the next day. So right. I wasn't gonna sit there and wait I made uh, an offer. We negotiated back and forth for about five minutes, and and you know came up an agreement. Good. So that one was a it's a two bed, one bath home in Dorchester Terrace, and I ended up purchasing it for fifty eight thousand dollars off market. Good. Um, and the reason why I was willing to in these neighborhoods, as you were mentioned, thirty forty grand. That's probably about you know maybe a little bit more than that you'd pay for something that needs some rehab, but. Um, at 58, it had to be in at least decent condition. But mm-hmm. So the roof was redone in 2012. The siding was 2012. It has a large shed in the back. Um, the overall appearance of it was in pretty good shape. Um, there was hardwood floors that were able to kind of clean up and refinish. So it was it was a good buy. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out, <laughs> just in just a minute, turns out we do need an HVAC system, okay. which I wasn't planning on. Not, yeah. not a huge deal because, again, it's having a good team of contractors. So I got a very good price on that, but... Um, but that one was in pretty good condition. So I called my business partner that day. He said, go for it. We locked it in at 58,000 planning on about 5,000 worth of yeah. rehab.
0: I mean, that's great. And yeah. so it's a two one. You said two one. And we, I think you could probably rent it for around a thousand. Yeah, exactly. So. I have a property
1: manager, which I wasn't going to do, but I'm bringing one in for, mm-hmm. for a couple of these deals yeah. because he's good. First of all, we just have, um, we became friendly and, uh, he, he's a good guy and we've connected for a while now, so it gives me a good rate yeah. on my properties, uh, which helps, but it's also in in the neighborhoods Wayland and Dorchester Terrace. It's I want to make sure it's screened properly. We have yeah. some good tenants in there and any yeah. headaches, and, and we may end up going
0: Section 8. We're yeah. not sure yet. I mean, I would. I'm about yeah. to the point where I'm ready to shift mine over. Um, just for the sake of I'm, I'll probably interrupt you as we go, just so oh, I don't please. forget to add yeah. anything, <laughs> but um, that is a is a, in my opinion a really good deal for this Charleston market. If you're in it for even seventy and you're in it for a thousand, that like one and a half percent rule or something like that, that's really good. Um, I have the first house I ever bought was over there is a two one, and I still have it. And at the time I got it for I think forty. Um, that was in like twenty fourteen, and I think I put about eight thousand in it. So I rent that. I used to rent it for nine fifty. Um, and this was three years ago, mm-hmm. and I know I could get a 1000 for it. Yeah. And now I've got some kids in there renting it for 900 I gave them a little bit of a break because they turned it over for me because it was in really bad shape. That's the tenant. That was the house I had where the um, couple that were renting it were great, and then they just went off the rails, and she tried to run him over in his <laughs> truck, and he dove out of the way, and she wow. smashed through the shed that I just put in. So that's um, just, a, you know a little nugget on what the condition was like. There was a lot of fighting going on in there that I didn't know about till much later. Um, someone got stabbed in the head. Um, and that's not like typical necessarily for that neighborhood. These people were awesome tenants and then there were some there were some druggies that popped up mm. that had been um, out of the picture for like a decade and then it just all went off the rails and it was like a probably a 3 month period of just like constant drama and fighting. Yeah, and that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. When Right. But I know even with Section Eight, um, you can probably get push a yeah. thousand with that over there. The nice thing I about I think it's nine ninety. He, he looked it up; it was nine ninety okay. Section Eight. Yeah, that's awesome because so. the, the nice thing about that. Well, for one, there's a huge shortage of Section Eight properties here. Believe it or mm-hmm. not, um, North Charleston Housing Authority is pretty desperate for Section Eight properties. And the other nice thing is, depending on what amount um, of rent assistance they get, you're guaranteed to get that every month. Yep. Like I'm, I i can not tell you those particular tenants that are in that property. I just had to meet them after we had dinner at our holiday party last week. I had to swing by their house and pick up cash on the way home that night. And that, it was three days late. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've tried to force them to use my portal for my payment software like so many times. And they just have account problems all the time. It, you know, banking's not really the strong you know, suit of a lot of folks in that neighborhood. Um, so that, that's a really good deal though, I think, for the Charleston area.
1: Well, the thing about the deal too, because as we were buying these, I had I was talking to Rob over at Loan Depot. I'm working with him for a little while. He's he's been very helpful, Rob Wade. If anybody needs someone that kind of he has some bridge loans, flip loans, and uh, buy and hold loans. That's and one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about because in the regular banking system, Fannie and Freddie Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac they want you to wait six months to do a cash out refinance. And my business partner and I, obviously we could buy these two at the same time to do it, but that kind of tapped us out. That was mm-hmm. our max of what we can personally do at one time. And if we had to wait six months, yeah, in theory we could buy four homes a year. Yeah. But, and, and that's great, but I want the ability to buy six or eight homes if I find good deals. Yeah. Um, it depends on how the deals are and if they work. and. And I analyze it. A lot of people talk about the 1% rule, 1.5% rule. And that, that is something to do a quick glance at it. But the way I analyze my deals will always be cash on cash right. return. Yep. And if I can't refinance these or i got to wait six months, my cash on cash return, at least for those first six months, is is horrible because I'm out of pocket the mm-hmm. entire amount trying to buy it and do the rehabs.
0: And, and anybody that's not super familiar with Burring, that's the main... Um, sort of metric that you're going to look at with these properties is your cash on cash. Mm -hmm. Your cash flow is usually lower than if you just straight up bought the property 20 or 25% down or whatever, Um, but you're recycling your capital. So while your cash flow might be depleted, you're utilizing your capital at a much stronger rate and a higher rate, so you're able to collect more. And then in a year or two after that, maybe you can restructure them a little bit to try to really maximize your cash flow. But if you're not using cash on cash and you're thinking about burning, you should shift the way that you're, you know, filtering these deals because that's really the most important metric. Yep.
1: And and again, you gotta there's a lot of pros and cons on how you want to grow. And you have to Stay within your model and your goals mm-hmm. because you may want to wait the six months and then refinance into a thirty-year, twenty percent down, fifteen percent down on single families, thirty-year loan because it works better for you and it's 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 safer. Mm-hmm. You know the loans that I'm doing are going to be you know a ten over thirty, mm-hmm. um, interest only, and there are prepayment penalties mm-hmm. as we go along. You know it depends on which one I want to do. I can do a five over 30, seven over thirty, or ten over thirty. Probably going to do the ten over thirty. There's prepayments for the first five years, but on that sixth year, it is interest-only payments. Mm-hmm. So I won't be paying down the principal for the first five years, but I'll have more money in my pocket, yeah. and then on year six, if I want to, I could take a lump sum of it and pay down that principal. Yeah. Because then there's no payment pre- penalty, and I can get that re-amortized. However it, I want to
0: move. it might but, be a little bit of a gamble, so don't count on this, but when you're doing this in some of these cheaper neighborhoods, In five or six years, they're probably going to be worth more than they are now exactly because of the growth that we're seeing. So every time you're doing one of these, you're improving the entire street, the whole whole block over time, the whole neighborhood. So you're (laughs) going to see significant growth over time. Don't count on the appreciation. You'll disappoint yourself if you do that. But just know that it happens. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you look at a neighborhood like Park Circle where I live and 10, 15 years ago, I mean... prices have doubled, almost even tripled. Mm -hmm. Um, And that used to be a shooting range. People didn't want to live there a few years ago. And now it's hip and cool. So know that that's likely unless there's a a massive economic event. um, And take a little bit of solace in that, but you can use that for your financing just to help figure out what type of financing you want to use. So even if you're not paying down your principal, if you're increasing your cash flow and you're gonna continue to buy more of these, when you get to the point where you refinance and then you have a principal and interest loan, hopefully you're going to have some banked inequity in there just from the appreciation in the neighborhood. And then it'll be almost just like a normal buy and hold mm-hmm. loan from that point forward. And just based on inflation and everything at that point too, your rents are going to be going up. Mm-hmm. going will be
1: a little bit higher at that point. Yeah. And exactly. Our game plan will probably be maybe in those – at that maybe in year six, we go and refinance it to a 15-year mortgage. Yeah and just lock them all in
0: 15 year fix
1: I have a question so we have a couple right? of like different outs to go, yeah. go for Are,
0: so when you're buying these this is just more of a personal financial question have you guys looked at your long term goal as in as how many units you want how many doors you want or in the amount of cash flow or you know? cash flow okay so yeah it's, it's funny because a lot of
1: people will tell you I want 50 doors mm-hmm. I want 30 doors that's all well and dandy but what if you're making 25 bucks a door right you know I'd rather have you have 50 doors at $25 a door I'd rather have 15 doors at $100 a door whatever 100% quarter that's 12 and a half
0: that's why I ask that because I tell people that all the time I say you know just reverse engineer it first of all like figure out what amount of money would make you really happy and you live comfortably and be realistic about it don't say I need to make two and a half million dollars a year like Mm -hmm. if you want to do that sure but maybe don't go buy single family rentals. it's just it's going to be a tremendous amount of work yep. to achieve that if that's the approach you want to take so be realistic about it especially if you're young because you can take your time and then just start reverse engineering it from there and every time you do one of these projects you're just picking off that number so you're you're reducing your monthly you know goal basically until you kind of reach like your net zero yep and then you've met it mm-hmm. i think that's the the smarter way to do it i mean 50 doors is a lot more management than 20, mm-hmm. so if you look at it as the amount of monthly cash flow you want, um, it'll be better. And then your situation's a little different because you have a business partner, yep. so you guys are splitting that, um, but at the same time, that means that you're able to both contribute capital. So.
1: Yeah, it's it's maybe like you said, it is. I mean, roughly, it's probably going to be about 50 doors if we calculate how much we make a door, but... Mm-hmm. Um, it could be thirty five yeah. I mean I'd rather have it like you were saying, I'd rather have it almost less doors mm-hmm. and just meet our financial monthly goal yeah because our goal is just to make enough money to not have to worry about a paycheck right. If we want to take six months off to go do something, all our bills are being paid totally. and then some and
0: so is this is this monthly cash flow goal is this um, with a note or with them paid off if they were paid off? if you assume they were paid off, how many because that's what I do. Oh, see, no, these are with the note. Yeah. Our monthly cash flow goal is with
1: the note because mm-hmm. then, when they're, if we refinance, have a 15 year at that point, we're ready to retire. You know, that, yeah,
0: probably be 15 more years. Either just keep on yeah. <laughs> taking the money in or um, cash out on some mm-hmm. of them and put some. I kind of look at mine like if, you know, the amount of cash flow I have with my mortgage and all my expenses, whatever my net cash flow is, I want enough to cover my base living expenses that I know I have every month that's fixed But the lifestyle we have now, which is perfectly fine there's nothing yeah. wrong with it but then i'll also look at just to assume the long-term goal when all those are paid off what's my net going to be at that point point? and then i'll put that in my like later pot if that makes sense you know sense. it's funny i haven't never looked at it that way but yeah. i will maybe i'll reanalyze it helps that doing. might help you not feel as though you need as many doors because mm-hmm. once you get let's say you have 20 of them and you're like okay well, we've got enough passive cash flow between the two of us that we're doing all right right now let's maybe start prepaying our note on the lowest balance when just the debt snowball. That's always been my approach with it. This last year has been kind of a wash with investing because of the baby and my wife's employment changes in a good way, but it's changed our finances a lot. So I'm just now getting my feet back under me. But, you know, once I have the certain amount of doors, not doors necessarily, but like the gross rents amongst all my doors, then I'll go ahead from there and I'll kind of restructure my payoff schedule. And I'll take all my excess cash flow and start knocking out that lowest note. And then you've increased your cash flow by, you know, 20, 30% every time you pay one off. And then you just apply that to the next note and the next note. And it compounds really quickly. And then you can, I, I basically paid one of mine off, um, that cheap one that I had. And mm-hmm. I was working on my second one. And then I took a loss on a flip. So I had to refinance them. And I'm kind of just sort of doing it over. But I want more doors and then I'll do it. Then I'll then i go back. That is it. the
1: biggest thing too. It's a lot of times people you see equities at home, you wanna keep on maxing out your refinance. That's why initially like the burst strategy, I was very hesitant at mm-hmm. first. But then if you utilize it properly, it's fine. You don't wanna keep on I don't wanna say you don't. It's whatever works for your for your business model mm-hmm. and your goals, but be careful not to every time, you know, you have that appreciation, take on more equity. Have yeah. the appreciation, take up more equity. You wanna almost Get it ready, rent it, and then leave it alone. Let it pay itself down. Let it, however, you structure your loan yeah. product, so that you don't want to keep going back and tapping into those, unless it really unless it benefits you on a new deal, and you yeah. know that net it makes sense to go for that new deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way we've been doing it. Is to get a certain amount of cash on cash. I like the way that you mentioned that because maybe we could pay a few down and have a little bit bigger um, pool quicker. Um, but this one too. Um, so, we're doing, like I said, oh, the other thing was the refinances I wanted to talk to you about was a lot of these other companies, which we're going to be working with um, Civic on this one. Okay. And through Rob at Loan Depot. And they're going to be, but there's a $100,000 um, minimum on one, minimum loan mm. on one. Yeah. So, we're going to put them both together. Oh, okay. Both of the birds together, because then you have the $100,000 minimum, but they both have to appraise for hundred grand or more. Each? each have to appraise a 100,000. Okay. So the one in Dorchester Terrace is going to be really close, it's going to be right about that 100,000 105,000. The one in Whalen, I'm not worried about that, it'll be about buck 25. Yeah. And then we'll take probably 150,000 fifty thousand dollar loan about 75 each cuz one's going to be about 80, one about 65. Yeah. Take out about 150,000 loan. That that loan will be for both properties and the good thing about it is that that will replenish 95 to 100 yeah. percent of our cash yeah now we're out of pocket nothing we basically own those homes they'll cash flow anywhere from 150 to 250 bucks a month each okay and there's and that's with minimal risk minimal loan payments and we have no cash in or let's say we have five grand yeah five percent so and,
0: and keep in mind too that that sounds like it might not be a lot 150 to 250 but surely you've assumed for all your expenses yep so it's not likely unless there's like a tremendous issue that that's going to end up being a negative number. Exactly. Everywhere. That's, I mean, that's everything. That's, that's your expenses. That's your, that's my management, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't going to
1: manage them, but we are now. So that's management fee. I mean, that's, that's everything across the board. That's pest control. Cause we have termite bonds. That's, yeah. we go through all our expenses. We also have 10% vacancy, even though in those, we really shouldn't have to worry too much about that. But we have 10% vacancy in yeah. there and we have conservative, I think I put it at $900 a month, right?
0: Okay, yeah. So you rented for a thousand, now all of a sudden making
1: two fifty. And I am very, very conservative in my numbers mm-hmm. and it's gotta be at least a hundred dollars a month after all my conservative numbers. Yep. Cause I know that hundreds really gonna be probably like two hundred. Mm-hmm. But I wanna make sure kind of that worst case, it's not worst, worst case, worst, worst case is it's vacant for six months. Yep. But that price range, I mean, you can't find anything, a home at least for those. Totally. They're in decent shape. And the other thing that me and my partner are doing is the whole burst strategy is. We're fixing the major components, yeah. so there really shouldn't be any big things going wrong for a while. Like yeah. the one that I just said, we were trying to put five grand into this one. We're gonna to have to put eight. Mm-hmm. We'll put oh, a brand HVAC. new AC system yeah. in for three grand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that bad, not that much money up front. And now we don't have to worry about that AC for mm-hmm. the next eight years, eight to ten.
0: Years. That's marketable too, so that'll help you get a, a higher rent. You know, if you mm-hmm. say it's a brand new HVAC system, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. Yeah, does something help that you. adds a little bit of value, yeah. not
1: just hey, we to yeah. add a couple piers underneath yeah. and you won't even see it. Yeah,
0: and sometimes too, like. Sometimes you just have to reach these little phases where you sprint and you just gotta pick up what you can and then you can restructure yep. after that. And don't sprint with your eyes closed, but like sometimes you gotta just get into acquisition mode and try to get as much as you can.
1: And that's what we've kind of been. We knew that when we bought it for 58, even if we had to put 10 into it, it was still fine. Mm-hmm. So when we looked at it, it was five, and I have a friend of mine who's doing a lot of the work that we're paying him for, but he's doing a lot of the work. And then we have a good, I have a good HVAC guy, which I'll do a shout out, Stanley Heating and Air. Mm-hmm. He gives me great prices, and um, is very responsive, communicative, and he helps a lot of people out. We actually have Ryan out with his foot. That's how I got Oh, him. cool. So it's, um, he's, he's been great, like I said, responsive, and gives good competitive prices. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the are one, but I do want to tell you a little story, and this is something, yeah. again, I'm just starting off doing burrs. I have a couple of the rentals with my business partner down in North Charleston, but they're already, they were turn for the most part. We had to put a new roof on, but there were already tenants in place. Yeah. Um, these are the first two that we're just buying, rehabbing and then, and then finding a tenant. And shame on me when we bought it, house was locked, but I didn't, there was one gate that was missing. I just let it be. Ugh. Come to find out. And I didn't make sure all the windows were locked. Well, I bought it on a Wednesday. I didn't go back to it until I think it was Monday morning, because it was I think it was the, just before Thanksgiving or whatever it was. It was right around that time. I didn't get back to it until Monday morning. And when I got back to it, I walk into the back, the side door, and I realize the door is unlocked. And I'm like, all right, so obviously something's going on here. So I open the door, I walk in, and there's a couch in front of the oven, and there's a kid, probably a 14-year-old kid, with the oven open trying to keep warm. It was one of the colder yes. days. And... You know, obviously it shocked me, but I was kind of ready for it—the fact that the doors unlocked and yeah. someone was probably in there. So I just told the kid, you know, hey, I'm sorry, I own the house. Please, you got to get out of here. He shut the oven, turned it off, very respectful. There was no—I actually felt really bad for the kid because you Absolutely. knew he obviously doesn't have a good home life if he's in my house yeah. trying to keep warm. With if he even oven. has a home. Yeah. It, it was—it was really sad to see that. Um But then I walked around the house a little bit, and they did as kids do, spray painted some spray paint on a couple of areas. Nothing too crazy. It's all could be cleaned up. They didn't go break things. There was no major damage. Uh, but that day I went made sure. We locked everything up, put gate doors on. I put alarm systems on the doors. And no issues ever since. But mm-hmm. that's my pro For letting yeah. it sit four or five days in that neighborhood where there are some kids that yeah need, that are not, probably homeless. Probably. Or it's just have a bad or,
0: home life and don't want to be in there. Exactly. So Yeah, yeah that's a you got to be sensitive to these neighborhoods too. Like there's, it's a great exercise in gratitude to go and experience some of this stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, we're very fortunate. If you're in your car, driving to work, whatever, listening to this podcast, you're in better shape than like 90% of the people in the world. So just keep that in mind. It, it's, that's. You got, you got to help too. I mean like don't we, – we got to be careful doing this stuff in certain neighborhoods not just trying to gouge people. But if you're doing it saying like I want to provide a safe, affordable, nice place to live for someone and have a mutually beneficial relationship, that's the way everybody wins.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that's – I mean that's, that's how we're doing this. Like we're taking a home that otherwise was in bad condition. Someone had to sell it. Yeah. We're fixing it up. And then we'll rent it at a price that I mean it's hard to get anything at a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. or just slightly under anywhere. Yeah. So now it is still more. It's one of the more affordable areas to live in and a nicer yeah. home. So I can take a little bit of pride in a nice fenced-in backyard, mm-hmm. um, good open floor plan. We'll, we just rolled down a new floor in the kitchen yesterday. Um, fresh paint throughout. We're gonna update some of the fixtures and then have it ready to rent. So that that was that was the easier of the two. That was a, you know buy it, put a little bit of money into it. That's going to take less than three weeks, or right around three weeks, and it's going to be ready to rent this weekend. That's HVAC's awesome. going in this weekend. Pictures going to be taken, and That's hopefully we we'll have it rented in January. That was quick.
0: I would consider yeah. Section 8, for sure.
1: Oh, it's going to be one of the options. It's going to be, he's putting it up for
0: both, yeah. and then whatever comes through that makes sense. Okay. Um, the crazy thing about those neighborhoods, too, so the second one I ever bought, I got for, it was a Fannie Mae foreclosure. I got that one for fifty three or something like that, and... Bought It as an owner occupant, so we moved into it, and I think it needed about 15,000 in work. E- either way, I ended up being in it for less than 70. It's a 4 2 with a garage. Wow, yeah, it's in Dorchester Terrace, and I get 1250 for it right now, but I could probably get closer to 1400. But my tenants have just been around for a long time. I've had those two kids in there for two and a half almost three years now, probably <laughs> something like that. Um, but while I was renovating it, I was like posting pictures and stuff on Instagram. And a guy reached out to me who I think is like a, it's like an executive or something with South Carolina Bank. And he was like, oh my God, my parent, my, that was my grandparents' house. They bought it like brand new in the fifties. And that used to be just like a blue collar working neighborhood. Um, a lot of people that worked at the Navy base, oh, so Navy base, mm-hmm. yeah, Navy so base exactly. shipyard mm-hmm. stuff, um, a little bit of Garko still when that was around. And then when those industries shuttered, the neighborhood just kind of went the other way, which happens a lot when industry leaves. It's just like a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're seeing it almost, like, come back the other way. And that the reason those two neighborhoods, Wayland and Dorchester Terrace, the reason that they are taking off more than, like, a Chikora and a Cherokee is because of the, the livability of the neighborhood. They're, like, wide streets. You can... There's sidewalks in a lot of the areas, big yards. Little parks. Little parks. parks all over mm-hmm. the place. Yeah, I mean, they're very livable neighborhoods. So... Keep that in mind, too, when you're looking at stuff is kind of the livability of the area. Like, we're not seeing Chikora, um, Cherokee, Union Heights, all that stuff, take off quite the same because they're tiny, tiny little lots. There's not a lot of um, room for pedestrian traffic, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So they've just been slower to click. But Although I didn't
1: hear something about the Navy base now going to be housing. Yeah, possibly. possibly be housing.
0: Yeah, the, they finally have released now. They made it public that William Cogswell... Is gonna buy it. That's a cigar factory. Yes, yeah, yes, a cigar factor. guy. He's also a state representative, yeah. um, so he's got a lot of relationships with people. But um, that's a big deal. That's gonna help huge. that area out. Yeah, and yeah. he's one of the lawmakers that helped write the opportunity zone map or draw the maps for the state. So he's very intimately familiar. I mean, before anybody else really was, because he was familiar with what the, the maps were gonna look like. Um, so a lot of that is gonna be opportunity fund zone, nice. um, opportunity zone funding um he's also doing I mean, he's got a lot going on he's also doing garco the mill yep. in park circle and he's already bought two buildings on the old navy base that they're preleasing they haven't started renovating them that's going to turn around in yeah, in quick yeah 5 years yeah. yeah so they're saying finally they're they're part of the reason we're doing pretty good on time we're at like 35 minutes so we can i can ramble um <laughs> But a big part of the reason why, at least... The- I'm not going to talk that much, yes, by the sorry. way. I want everybody on record to remember that. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to give us <laughs> as much value as possible. Um, the, Nate, the, the hospital, the, the newer one that was built in the 70s, it's the tallest, I think it's still the tallest building in Charleston oh, County. Yeah. And um, a big part of the reason why that's going to work for him is because he can also get um, a historic preservation credit on the property. They have to be older than 50 years. That one's like right on the verge. So I think they're going to get an exception. So he's going to get opportunity zone funding. He's also going to get a huge, um, basically like preservation credit. That's going to go back into the pot for construction. And I know they were struggling with what to do with it, but now they're saying they might make it like, I don't think they're going to be like low income, like super low income, but they're probably going to have some pretty affordable apartments in there because it's a huge building. So they can afford to do that. And then the rest of it, that whole area, the landmass there is bigger than Wagner Terrace. So they have a lot of room to put. I think they're gonna put a lot of um, civic buildings, a lot of North Charleston's public works stuff there, a new Carter station, um, parks. And then they're trying to bring in some retail, some grocery stores and stuff like that. So we'll see. Okay. So we'll go
1: to the other one that I have, the one in Whalen so that is a two one that has a little story behind it i've been talking to the owners of that one for about six months and they the husband's mom had passed away and she had a a mobile home in ridgeville where like the family had lived for Mm -hmm. forever like this couple like cousins and uncle in the neighborhood all on the same street that they wanted bottom line is that took about four months of negotiating with the stepdad and the whole family to try to get them to be able to buy that mobile home. Mm -hmm. Because it was gonna have to be cash. It was a single wide um, on that lot. They weren't gonna be able to finance it. So me and my business partner worked with them to buy this home in Whalen off them. First, we ended up buying it for $42,000. And helping them use that money that they had left over to go towards a mobile home. Well, we ran into a little snag where they ended up owing more on their mortgage than they mm. thought because it was a secondary mortgage okay. through HUD, and we realized it was another nine grand, so the deal wasn't going to happen. So we ended up working it out. I talked to them, and, and this is something about being very clear. I'm a real estate agent, but in this way, in this case, I was not acting as one. I was acting mm-hmm. as a buyer. We were buying their home, uh, but then I was also their agent trying to buy them another <laughs> home, and so it was a very unique situation, but the one thing I gotta tell you is just over-communicate and yes. just be transparent, let them know pros and cons, put things in writing, and that's what I did I, I, I throughout the whole process is said, here's what we can do, here's what your expectations are, here's how I can help you, because my business partner and I also do some private money lending. Mm-hmm. So we ended up lending them the nine grand oh, yeah. at a return back, and we put a whole note together, and there is a mortgage on their new home, which it was all very clear that, because they were buying it cash, there is going to be mortgage on the new home. They have to pay this bill, and you know we're going to be the note holder, just like a bank. And, and we were just very transparent. But I, I, they were extremely appreciative because it was their only way of being able to get out of this house that they, they couldn't afford to maintain anymore mm-hmm. and get into the home that, A, their family had lived in for many, many years. Right. And B, something just bigger and, and, and more in the country is where they wanted to be. They didn't want to be in the city anymore. They wanted to get out more towards the country in Ridgeville. So it was really great because they were appreciative of it, but we were able to kind of play around, give them, like I said, we give them a little bit of a loan, help them. I help them get into the other home, mm-hmm. and then we purchased their home. I even let them rent back their home for a very, very cheap amount for a month because they work like three jobs each. Yeah, she volunteers a lot of her time. She's a very good person. Um, he is too, but she, I'm just saying she she volunteers a lot of her time for different organizations. Yeah, and they just didn't have time to move. So. We rented it back to them for all in November, give them a little bit more time to move. So it really, it really, we really did want to try to help them out as best as possible, but it had to work for both of us. And, and they were understanding that, We you know, we can't just give them nine grand for free. There's yeah. definitely interest that we make on the back end of that, but it was all transparent, clear, and bottom line is it got them into their house and they were happy with That's that. Awesome. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, and like I said, really sweet couple and- so now we're, we finally got to the beginning of December, take apart that home. That one we bought for 42 and we're planning on putting about, we were trying to put 25 into it. It's probably gonna be closer to 35. Yeah. And that's where you have to make sure your numbers, you have some ability to kind of play. And, and we have the 35 to do it. Obviously we just wanna keep that number down as low as possible.
0: Yep. Yeah, always, always please include a contingency mm-hmm. when you're doing anything renovation-wise because you're, especially houses this age. I mean, these are probably both 40s, 50s. Yep. And there's a lot of deferred maintenance in these neighborhoods. So you're going to open up a wall or, you know, whatever you're going to do. Even if it's more minor than that, you're going to have to patch something or you'll have a leak. So you'll open up the wall and you're probably going to find termite damage and wood rot. And oh, we like found
1: that. termite damage in wood yeah, right. yeah. and wood rot in some of the... Because it's all plank board. It's not um, um, plywood for the sheathing behind the... It's like the 1 siding. It's all like plank board. Yeah. One, oh, actually, it's funny. Some of 1 by 8, 1 by 6, and 1 by 4. Yeah. It's actually all different sizes yeah. <laughs> too, which makes it even more difficult. So there was some termite damage. We ran a couple speed bumps on that. Um, we do have some alternatives. So if we go a little bit over budget with the contractor, I'll just come in and end up doing a little bit more work myself to keep us in that thirty range. Because then I want to. I always, I put a termite bond on all mine. I make sure they're sprayed and get a bond on every one of my homes. I, I'm not gonna mess around with termites later on. And then I also built in money because we need to put an HVAC system in here. There's no HVAC. I don't have to, but it's gonna be better to market to, to rent it out. Uh, this was a two-bed, one-bath, but it had a separate dining room that is big enough for a bedroom. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're closing up – it had two doors to it. We're closing up the wall to the kitchen to give the kitchen a little bit more functionality. Yeah. Keeping the door from the living room to this room and making it a three-bed one. Okay, cool. So we have the value-add there um, to – that third-bedroom is a little bit smaller, but it's still – it's fine. I mean, if you have a little family, you have that third bed there for a kid or, yeah. or for a baby or whatever, whatever works. And um, because the rent now goes from right around a thousand, and we should be able to get about twelve hundred a month, That's awesome. so we just added some cash on the back end of that. And but this house needs a new roof. It, we tore up all the siding, it needs new siding. It needs some plumbing updates underneath. It needs a couple of joists repaired underneath. It, we need to install a brand new HVAC system. The living and bedroom areas are fine. They just need to be cleaned up and painted. Okay. So that part's good. Yeah, it is that. It's that um, stucco. No, um, what do you call this? Um, like the the plank side of the old school, like in the 70s. Oh, the siding? Like, like the wood side? Oh, I'm sorry, the inside, yeah. Why can't I think of the name of it? But anyway, it has some... So we just got to paint everything, um, do some patchwork inside... Uh, replace only two of the windows the rest were brand new and then but the big things are the bathroom and the kitchen had leaks So we got a we got new subfloor We got to do some plumbing repairs in both of those a little bit of electrical and then rebuild out the kitchen and bathrooms Yeah, so that's gonna be about 30 to 35 thousand dollars worth of work And they also they were supposed to clean up more than they did I just found out I gotta spent about another grand and just clean up because of the amount of stuff there that was left behind yeah. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people that have lived in a place for thirty years, uh, you know, they just keep everything. That happens to me like every time. Yeah, they just keep so much, and yeah. it's just sad to see. It's like when were you ever? Go- you, mm. This is so buried. When were you ever going to even use this or keep it? Yeah. Or or, or need it? You know, yeah. it's. So there, you, you are going to as as Russ mentioned, you are going to. I'm sorry, Russ. Troy mentioned <laughs> you are going to run into um, extra extra cost. And I would also caution people if construction is not your forte, if that's not your strong point, don't just build in my opinion. Don't just build in 5% contingency, 10% 10 contingency. Ask your contractors, even if you know contracting and you understand um, this part of things, if you're hiring someone, ask them what are the possible extras? Not even how much should I budget? What are the possible extras? Are you going to have to rewire the home? Are you going to maybe have to do some plumbing stuff? Are you gonna maybe have to replace a roof that you're 50-50 on? Mm-hmm. Get those possible extras ahead of time so then when you know, hey, we do have to do the electrical panel, it's that extra five grand we already talked about. Yeah. And you're already planning on that. Rather than you building it, let's say you're doing $30,000 worth of work, you're building a 10% contingency, that's three grand. Yeah. You gotta do a you know a new roof and it's five grand, you're two grand over your contingency because you just did a certain percentage. Yeah. That's that's just my opinion on it. A percentage doesn't always work. You wanna know worst case scenario what could be going what can go wrong in this house. Yeah. Um, and then obviously shoot to not meet that number, but your number should still work in that worst case scenario. Even if it doesn't work as well as we talked about, as long as they still work, it gives you the option to kind of continue to move forward. Yeah. That. Definitely. So that was that home. That one's probably not going to be done till about the second week of January. Um, I get a very good price again to add a central HVAC system. Eight hundred square feet. You don't need one and a
0: half tons. Yeah, it's small. I know. Doesn't take much.
1: But it's important to do because I don't want to just do window units. Number one, if window units if they're plugged improperly, sometimes that can cause leaks down the siding oh, yeah. and cause some wood rot. Um, also, marketability, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about. When you have an HVAC system in a house, most of the time people are gonna use it mm-hmm. more often rather than just put on an AC, so you're not gonna have to worry about mildew and moldy mm-hmm. areas because of the extreme humidity in the summertime. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that one, and that one, like I said, we should be into it for about seventy-five dollars to $80,000. And we'll refinance both of those and hopefully be right around zero cash out of pocket sometime the end of January, February. We're hoping by February 1st, they're refinanced. We get our money back in our line of credit and we're ready to go. Yeah, go do another one. Yeah. Or two. That's one one other thing. Like, Be creative with how you finance. Like, There are buying flip loans, like rehab loans. Me and my business partner are fortunate enough that we were able to do a line of credit against some money that we have uh, and some investments we have in the stock market. So rather than pull money out of the stock market that's doing very that's very yeah. well and strong, we were able to do a line of credit against that money. Yeah. And use the line of credit at a lower interest rate. I mean, we're about five and a half percent. That's good. On our line of credit, we're making more make more than that in the stock market. So it nets kind of a zero or positive for us. So it's almost free money to use on that. So feel free to be creative on maybe. And I don't know exactly how all this stuff goes. Troy probably knows a lot better than me, but maybe a loan against a 401k makes mm-hmm. sense for you, or there's yep. different avenues you can go in, explore your options, take a step back, and just think outside the box a little bit. Hey, is there another way I can get money to, to start this and do this? But also be safe, yeah. make sure it's safe money. Don't go and do something that you're like, hey, I can get this loan for six months, and I should be able to be done in six months, but what if you're not, yeah. Do you have plan B? Mm-hmm. And that's where, most people get burnt where they stretch themselves too thin, they t- they take too much, take a risk, but. Make sure you have exit strategies because mm-hmm. if you don't and you take a risk without an exit strategy, you have a lot higher chance of being burned.
0: Yeah, and have, if you can, try to have more than one exit strategy. Yeah. You know, the second one doesn't have to be great. The second one could just be liquidate it and get out for at least what you're in it Yeah, for. break even. Yeah, yeah, just to get the hell out of it. But just be careful doing things like that. If your main exit strategy is to turn around and get it rented out, you know, don't touch something that you feel like you couldn't sell otherwise if you had to. Um, And then there are, like, there's so many ways, if you have a relationship with a bank, especially if it's a a mid-sized bank or a small bank, the the really big guys are the Wells Fargo's, the the Chase's, the Bank of America's, they're not very aggressive with giving you lines of credit and stuff, so if you want to do this stuff and you want to build businesses, try to find a smaller bank, that's huge, I mean, it's so vital, I have... Three lines of credit that equate to enough to to buy and renovate properties Um, because I went to a small bank and they were trying to entice me Mm -hmm. to come there. So they got me three lines of credit that I use constantly. I use them all the time and it's a pretty good rate on them. Um, So go ahead and talk to some smaller banks. The smaller, the better, really. Because they need to build up their business base. Yeah, a few of
1: them. For people that know,
0: mine's through Ameris Bank. Okay. Yours is through First Citizens. First Citizens, that's I thought.
1: And then also Beacon Community Bank is that local bank started by a few of the local business partners around here. I think Billy Hall, Tommy Baker, and all. They created a bank to be able to loan money to businesses in the Charleston area. Yep. So there, there
0: are, and there's obviously quite a few more credit unions. Mm -hmm. Usually good to go to. Yeah, um, I've been real happy with First Citizens, but if I went back to that point, I would find the smallest bank I could possibly find and bank with them. And they usually work. want to
1: bend more. Yep. And, I mean, the reason I'm with the Marist Bank, they're paying me good money on my money market when the money is in there. Yeah. And then when it's not in there, they're giving me lines of credit yep. and loans to, to be and, able to use that money.
0: And market. so go ahead and talk to those people and see if they've got some business lines of credit or something like that. If you have a good W 2 job, You can typically get good personal loans that you could use. If you're doing well, if you're a new business, you're doing this stuff on your own and it's relatively new for you, that's one of the hardest phases to get through is to be able to borrow money when you're self-employed and you don't have much of a track record. So just keep calling people and eventually it'll click. But if you've got equity in your house, a lot of people will do a HELOC. Just be careful with those. You don't want to find yourself at 100% finance and have no equity in your house And you can loan against IRAs and four hundred one k's. You can also cash out your IRA or four hundred one k and use that. You just have to get it back typically within a certain amount of months, so you don't face a penalty.
1: And we stress that talk to your accountant before you do any of those things. They're going to be talk to the experts. Yes,
0: for sure. But there are ways to do it. So you know, we talk to a lot of people that want to do it, and they just never pull the trigger because they don't. Explore their options. They're looking at all these websites and just getting overwhelmed. Yeah. So start small. Talk to your banks. Figure out how you can finance stuff, and then talk to people that could help you find deals like us. And then start building up your li- your vendors list with your contractors and stuff, and figure out how to refile on the backside. And that's the biggest thing too. We, I know we talked about this so
1: much but I can't emphasize enough how team is important here. Mm-hmm. I had a general contractor ready for one of these already and my friend who does some renovation work wanted to have a little bit of, he just likes doing it, was gonna do my other one. I had those in place. Yep. I have an HVAC guy ready to go when I need HVAC work. I had um, my lending partner, I had talked to him and already started that process. We had a good conversation between the three of us um, to make sure that we, at least preliminarily, we're gonna be good on that refinance yep. side. The insurance guys ready to go on. Um, I already have those quotes before I get out of due diligence. Before I lock anything down, I know of my insurance, mm-hmm. so I know all my costs. I know my team members, so that the day I close, everybody's going you know full speed ahead. Yep. and that's so important to do. I don't. Don't overanalyze stuff and freeze and never act because that's probably 90% of the people do. They want to keep analyzing, keep analyzing. And they always tell you, oh, the market's not right now. It's, not, it's never right for them. It's mm-hmm. always right for someone who's willing to take the chance. It's never right for someone who is hesitant. Yeah. But there are pieces you want in place and ask experts. I know Troy and I work this way. If I'm helping a client out, I'll help them out from A to Z. It doesn't have to be something that is my specific skill set. If you're like, hey, I need uh, you know, can you recommend me to a few contractors? Mm-hmm. Do you have an insurance guy? Do you know an accountant? Do you know we're always happy to
0: put the, help you put those pieces together as best we can. Yeah, especially if you're investing. You mm-hmm. know, if you're just buying a, a turnkey traditional home, retail home that we're helping you with, a lot of the time I'll defer to your mortgage lender. And I'll say if you want insurance still stock in your mortgage lender because they have more relationships in that world. So sometimes I'll refer to them, but if it's an investment property, I'm going to tell you all the people that I use because I know who's got really good rates and who's got you know shit coverage, which is usually the people with the best rates because yep. <laughs> I use them. Um, but you know, well, that's the thing. Like I went with a little bit more.
1: I think my insurance policies on these are about five hundred a year, as opposed to I can, I could get them yeah. for two fifty a year, probably two fifty to three hundred. Yeah but I have very good insurance, I have a master um, policy over all my properties, including my personal house of, I think, I can't remember if I went with one or two million Mm -hmm. umbrella, I wanna say, I don't wanna say it might've been one, but bottom line is, those are things important to have place. Don't just get the cheapest, and make sure you have at least a million dollars in umbrella liability, because Mm -hmm. the one thing that'll bankrupt you is someone
0: falls, breaks their leg, and wants to come after you and sue you. Yeah, and make sure that your homeowners has sufficient liability coverage. Cause each one of them have mm-hmm. like a kind of a slip and fall um, baked into them. So just make sure that it's high enough. I'd say there too, at least a million. Yeah. A lot of those, they start off, especially in the cheaper policy, about
1: 300,000. Yeah, go up. Three and five. Mm-hmm. But as long as your umbrella is a million overall, you're still fine there too. Yeah. So if it's not on your regular policy, but talk to an insurance agent, sit down with them and say, how, how am I properly covered? Mm-hmm. Don't just go after numbers. No. A lot of times, you're right. A lot of times people are like, oh, this is the cheapest, I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah but is it is it replacement cost or is it actual cash value? Yeah. Is it, and that, that could be a big difference. Like one of those, you could sit there if you are if you're have the policy where, um, I always get these two mixed up. Me I believe too. replacement cost is what it's gonna cost to replace at that time. So if it's 10 years old, you're going to have that depreciation if it's worth if it's going to cost you 10 grand to do it now they're only going to give you six grand for yeah. it whereas i believe yeah actual cash value is they'll give you the full 10 grand on that policy yeah. those are just little things or if you're buying an apartment complex it's a little bit older make sure you have a strong ordinance and law policy because ordinance and law is going if you have a major fire that burns something down and now they're going to require you to bring it up to code your yeah. insurance policy is not going to pay for those new sprinklers because the building never had sprinklers right. your ordinance and law policy is going to pay for that so there's a lot yeah. of and there's a lot of little intricate details when it comes to insurance mm-hmm. that I've just dealt with in property management over the last 15 years and yeah. you start to learn, but you need to make sure you're properly covered. So have a good agent, pay a little bit more. Um, and I'll give a shout out to Blake Robertson over at Goosehead. Honestly, yeah, he's been great with here. me. We, yeah, we need to get him right here
0: soon to explain that stuff because ACV and replacement costs are really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, one thing I always do too is because I use a kind of a budget e company, um, but the reason I use them is because it's so easy. So I can do vacant policy up front and then I just click a couple buttons to turn it into a construction policy. So if there's a slip and fall on the behalf of a contractor, I have more coverage through that designated amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I just shift it again back to vacant or rented or for sale. That's why I use them. Um, So it'd be interesting to talk to him about like with those more traditional policies, how do you work in like the the contractor liability, um, just stuff like that. We definitely need to get him in because Insurance is confusing. I usually don't even... I just defer to them typically. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is the whole deal, which is another tip for people. Be transparent with your lender and your agent and your insurance company and your attorney. It only
1: hurts you to hide stuff because you think it may affect something. All that's going to do is negatively impact you either kill a deal sooner or later on down the line when something happens. Mm -hmm. If you didn't disclose that or ask for help before, you're now behind the eight ball and you can end up costing a lot of yeah. money we're not we're not in the position to judge right i don't care what the issue is tell us so that we can help you and find the best and after.
0: everybody That's- wants the deal to close yes because we're all spending time and resources on it so if you're transparent from the beginning then everybody can work around whatever's going on to get you to the finish line and it really just helps your your chances to get it done mm-hmm. if we know especially your mortgage lender because they have a lot of stuff that they have to take into account so if you tell them you know, I'm only planning on living here for X amount of months, and then I'm going to make it a rental property. Tell them that right away. Don't think that they're going to like come foreclose the property because you turn it into a rental property. It's just it's not going to happen. Yep. But you need to be very transparent um, with everybody. So, so important. Yeah. Let me tell
1: us a little bit about. I know you said Yemen's you Hall. You're not sure. if
0: You might yeah. end up flipping it.
1: You may end yeah, up I ur- it. So. I don't know yet. Give us kind of like a little overview of what it's about and how you could, what may benefit, you know, both options. Yeah. I need to to run it
0: as a traditional buy and hold just to see what my cash flow would be. But I bought it for 80 and then I used hard money on it. So my rate's not bad and it's interest only, um, which is nice because I'm just going to hold it for however many months it takes me to renovate it. And then I'll probably have somebody like Rob Wade refinance into a fixed loan. Um, But I think I ended up probably around six grand in closing costs with... I think I had to pay like two and a half points Mm because there was like a broker fee in there too. And then attorney's fees. So I made it for like 86 and I think I'm going to probably end up spending about 25 on it, probably in renovations. So what's that? 111. 111. And then back end costs and all that, what, 120 maybe? Probably. But the, uh, I mean, uh, comps are weird over there. I think it could be worth anywhere between like 150 and 175, depending on what my finishes are going to be. So I've got plenty of room in it to refi and get all my cash back. But I could also sell it and make you know, a pretty good amount of cash, and then turn around and go buy a couple cheaper properties that are going to cash flow better. Um, the best use for it would be it, for it would be to Airbnb it, because there's no short-term rental regulations up there, um, or to do the corporate model with Ashley that would be the higher cash flow on it but I kind of like to just set them and forget them a little bit too just put a long-term tenant in there um so I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with it I've not really crunched the numbers on it as a just traditional buying hold um so I need to do that but I'm hoping I'll be in it for probably about 110 something like that and that's
1: and that's a good point I'm going to ask Troy a question that I know he wasn't ready for but um what are your goals for 2020 and what would align best with those goals?
0: Yeah, it's buying home. okay. And really I want traditional stuff because the, the Airbnbs are cool. We have the one in our guest house, uh, but the management on them is is really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot of like messages like all throughout the day. We've been really fortunate with ours that it's in our backyard. So that one's an exception. We don't mind dealing with that one because the proximity awesome, yeah. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. cleaning's not bad. but. Um, For me, it's buying holds. I'm sick of flipping. I'm sick of chasing people around. If I'm gonna have to manage contractors, I'd rather them be on my properties, not things that I'm going to liquidate. I'm gonna sell on the back end. So because of our new baby and Rachel leaving work last year, our finances just changed a lot because she left her nine to five and that works for us. She runs some of our stuff. So, you know, now I've had to incur all the healthcare expenses that we didn't have before. She's not getting paid every two weeks. She doesn't have the expendable income that she did before either. And now that we've got a I mean, babies obviously, are really expensive just food and diapers and all that stuff, but then daycare too. So we're paying um, weekly. We took him out of his previous daycare because it was a tuition. Like mm-hmm. it was brutal. Um, so we've shifted him to another school that, I, in my opinion, is just as good, but it's literally like a third the price. It's crazy. Um, so hopefully next year I'll be able to get back to normal with acquisitions because just the dust will have settled so i can like figure my budget out all over again you know
1: well and that's the reason why i asked that is because we we have the same issue like i i I looked at one of these and i'm like wow that one in whalen price up 125 130 Mm -hmm. and we'll be into it for maybe 80 i mean we can make walk away with 35 40 grand yes that's a lot of money i mean that's quite a few uh, sales. It is. Yeah. And so I asked my business partner, it was funny because we had just gone over our goals and he said, said, no. He goes, our goal is to buy and hold and build up our passive income. Yeah, And I said, you know what, you're right. I just It's a good exit strategy, it's a good option to have, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right, as long as it cash flows. So we had that conversation like, all right, our goal is to get to a certain dollar amount. Yeah. So let's focus on that goal. And maybe what we'll do is we will flip a couple homes a year to build up some cash to be able to continue. But that's just solely to meet our goal of more buying goals, building up that cash. So that's why I wanted to ask you that, because it's very, it's very easy for, Troy's doing it, I did it, and a lot of people do it. It's easy to kind of side shift from your goal because you're like, oh, but if I do this, I might be able to make a little bit more money or yeah. do it this way. And that's fine if that's your goal or that's what you have to do. If you mm-hmm. need money, maybe that's the way to go. But if you don't, stay strong on your goals and because you're not gonna meet your goals unless you yeah. follow the pattern of the ways to achieve your goal. Yeah, that
0: yeah. this one's just kind of weird because it's, you know, I, I like C class neighborhoods for vine holds, yeah. and this one's probably like close to a B. I'd say it's a B. I think it's turned to about a B now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, that would be nice because typically B's are less maintenance than a C, but you know, if I sell it, I think I'd net a pretty good amount that I could turn around and pay, well, you know, good chunk off. Either I could pay one of mine off which would be great. Go ahead and get that one free and clear. Um, or use that to get two. I could get two closer to turnkey properties.
1: There you go. You know? So maybe, maybe that is the way then. Yeah, Maybe that is the way. That's just, one of the struggles As long as it helps you achieve your goal. Maybe, yeah. You're right, maybe it helps you achieve your goal by cashing it out and then buying two properties. Yeah. Yet, or paying off the other one and have more cash flow. Mm-hmm. So keeping this plus the other one, your cash flow it's certain amount, or if you pay that one off, you maybe get more cash flow or equal,
0: and have less units. Yeah, but that one it makes, makes sense. cash flow makes is sense. great right now because I mean it's so cheap. So I don't really want to touch it because it would be better to use those funds somewhere else. But it's like that West Ashley hotel. You know, I was like, I don't know if I'd, I'd like to keep these funds available for something else. But when I sell it, it'll just add more to the pot that I can use for buying holds. Yeah. So you know, all my stuff like that. It's not you know we, it all pretty much is, is already going to go somewhere towards another acquisition or paying something off or whatever. So that's the struggle. Sometimes I look at stuff and I'm like, well, you know, I think I can find something else that would cash flow better. But then the practical reality is, are you going to find something yeah. quickly and easily that cash flow is better? You might, but it also could need three months of renovation. And that's unknown too, you know, you don't yeah. have contingencies, So it's almost like if it cash flows and it's doing all right, go ahead and get it. Just get it, you know. And that's why, yeah, make sure
1: it works within your model. And if it cash flows, keep it. And There's actually one other thing I did want to mention, um, and this is really important, especially as we come into times of you just never know. Everybody uses that R word, recession. You know, what does a recession really mean? How much is it going to hit Charleston, especially certain neighborhoods um, with all the businesses coming in here, um, the people moving here? Um, I just... The one big factor is as you build your portfolio, make sure you keep a certain amount of cash on hand mm-hmm. for each property. So, every one that you build up, maybe it's six months worth of rent that you keep on here. So, it's thousand bucks or expenses. Let's say it's, you know, 600 bucks a month for expenses. Six months is $3,600. Maybe you keep four grand per. So, every time you buy one, put four grand aside, four grand aside, four grand aside. So if you have 10 properties, you have 40 grand sitting in that account. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Number one for vacancies. Number two for CapEx. Number three for just even some other funding and everything. They're going to want to see you have reserves. Funding's going to want you to have reserves for each home. Probably usually anywhere from three to six months worth of reserves. And you just, so make sure you're managing yourself that way too. So don't build yourself up so fast that you stretch yourself so thin that you have no cash in the bank, mm-hmm. God forbid something goes wrong, especially the more you build these up. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to find yourself at like eight properties, you're going to be like, oh, I could buy this property, bring my account down to a lot of grand, it's going to take me three months to get this property good. Yeah. And what about in that three months you have some vacancies or another property needs a roof? Yep, or you, a tree you, falls through it. Exactly, point. like you don't, want to, you don't want to bring yourself too thin mm-hmm. and grow too... We've seen this, and we're not going to mention any names or anything like that, but we see people do it all the time where right. they... They just wanna do so much. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this before the podcast, some person that just wants to do so much. And it's 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 hard because if you end up doing too much at once and spreading yourself too thin and taking too much of a risk, you can end up losing a lot more than if you just, and I, we're not saying don't grow, and if you grow quick, that's fine, but just make sure you do it systematically and and in a way that you have reserves available
0: should you need to tap into it. Right. Yep. In the long run, you will win if you do that, yep. you know. So, well, we're getting up here on time, so let's scoot down to um, eco tip. All right, so the eco tip. This is, uh, I know I have a Keurig. I have a Keurig
1: and a cappuccino Keurig. Mm-hmm. And one of the things of those those re- those cups, the Keurig K cups are, are really bad for the environment. Um, they do have some now that almost have like a strainer mm-hmm. rather than the plastic cup to them. But even better than that, and honestly, you can use any coffee you want. It's yeah. just get those reusable cake. I use that all the time. The reusable ones, you can just put in your ground coffee, whatever kind of coffee you like, yeah. cook it up, and then clean it out and reuse it again. Yeah. So It's just, a whole lot cheaper. So much cheaper. It's better coffee because it's fresh coffee that you want, like yeah. whatever brand you want. And, um, and it's just a lot better for the environment. Yep. Yeah. So that was the eco tip for today. And then there's so many things going on around town this time of year, the holiday and everything. But you have the Lights of Magnolia. um, You have the Hanukkah in the Square, December 22nd. You have Elf the Musical. I did see that a few years ago. It's pretty funny. And um, you always have the James Allen County Park Festival of Lights. And there's a lot more every weekend. And there there are things going on downtown. Just take a look. I sent out my newsletter recently. If you're not on that you want to get on my newsletter, it's just... um, email me PMC at gmail or give me a call or facebook message uh, but I do uh, activities going on around town on that as well yeah
0: cool man well we got a couple quick little housekeeping things um, we are um, going to actually look at a venue today for REI central and I think we've pretty much made our mind up on it but we just want to look at it real quick to figure out some logistical stuff so once we have that done, we'll probably go ahead and reserve it, and we're going to shoot for some time next month. We're not sure which of the dates yet. I got to talk to them again about scheduling. Um, that'll be in the Park Circle area. So hopefully, pretty soon we'll have a date pinned down. I will be able to release the ticket sales, so we can go ahead and start selling tickets on that. Um, again, you know that that is a is a slightly different networking event than most of the ones we see in the area. We're trying to be very transparent, so these first few especially, we're going to just kind of learn what we're doing along with everybody else. So we're trying to figure out like what type of literature we're going to have, how we're going to do name tags, how we're going to organize groups and stuff like that. So be patient with us as we figure that out. We're trying to make it as low impact as possible on us and everybody else, but might be a little bit of growing pains. Um, And on that note, we're likely going to rebrand this podcast to incorporate it more into REI Central. So we might just call it like the REI Central podcast, the REI Central show, something like that. It'll be the same. It's just going to be Dan and I. Um, and, you know, if you see your feed change, don't be surprised. Just let you know what's going on with it. Nothing's going to change um, other than the branding. We're just trying to consolidate things. That's the whole point of this REI Central thing anyways, is to consolidate a bunch of different meetings and groups and relationships into one place just once a month so this will help us as well it'll just make it more compact um make it make a little bit more sense and the branding will just be easier Mm -hmm. i think too and it's more flexible for us as well because we won't have to you know kind of reach back and grab the the only realtor stuff as often you know what i mean it can be more just kind of in general investing and that can encompass a whole lot of different things so no it's exciting yeah definitely exciting well, that's it for today. And then our next, um, we went a lot longer than I thought we would, but our next episode, I think we're going to have Justin Welch on, who's a CPA. So I'm excited to have him come in. Nice. We're going to talk about taxation, like uh, capital gains, 1031s, um, depreciating your assets, ways to lower your tax liability by like doing an S Corp and payroll and all that kind of stuff. Tax brackets. In um, yeah, he's kind of ready for us. He just wants us to give him a heads up like a week or so out. So we could probably wait till after Christmas yeah. and do it then. I'll um, be gone for a couple weeks. You're happy to do the podcast yeah. with him yourself. Um, but yeah. I'll be back till January. I, you would benefit from that one. That'd yeah, I would like to be there. And yeah. I wanted to do it the, by the end of this year so that people could prepare but they're not going to start filing their stuff until spring, really, anyway. Mm-hmm. So we can do it in January. It'll be fine. That might help people, too, like fresh start of the year to start organizing their stuff, their assets, and their businesses a little bit better to help them with their taxes. But um, I know it's been really helpful for me to have a good CPA. Mm-hmm. Every now and then he'll reach out and ask me what's going on. And then he will contact my bookkeeper. And he'll say, hey, I need you to not do a payroll on this one and do a draw on this one and da 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 just to try to – sort of navigate me towards the best uh, tax liability yeah we just
1: switched to my my um business partner is more the finance guy and mm-hmm. he's already met with him once and meeting again oh so. cool justin but nice, nice yeah awesome. yeah so I, he set us up for next year i really so
0: like we'll justin watch. we'll plug him when he gets here but he likes doing real estate stuff so um
1: that'll be it for today
0: um happy
1: holidays yeah. Merry
0: christmas happy hanukkah yep. happy very, new year happy whatever yes whatever the hell you want <laughs> just enjoy okay yeah, just have time fun. with the family eat and a lot and let us know if you need anything thanks bye Thanks again for listening to Maven Realty Presents, the Charleston Real Estate Investors Podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. If you need anything at all, please feel free to reach out to us at mavenrealtysc.com, Facebook, or Instagram. Have a great day, and remember to believe in yourself and keep grinding.